Welcome to Life Source Church. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or SoundCloud. Today you're going to hear a message from Pastor Walt that we hope encourages you. So Jesus, at some point in his ministry as he was getting on down the road uh, with his disciples, took his disciples away to a foreign country just across the border, out of, out of the country, to a pagan place. And uh, I think he did this on purpose because he got them away from all of the other religious people around them, all of the, the uh, uproar, all of the opposition, and he got them away where it was just going to be him and them. And he asks them a question. He says to them, who are people saying that I am? And so the disciples gave different answers that what things, uh, different things people were thinking. And then he, he looks at them and he asks them probably the most important question they had ever answered and probably the most important question you and I will ever answer. And that question was this. Who do you say that I am? Who we believe the Lord is and what we believe about Him changes everything else in our lives. Well, Peter answered that question, and he said, we believe that you are the Christ, meaning the Messiah, the promised one, the Savior. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Christ says to him, you know, Peter, you didn't figure that out on your own. God helped you to understand that and give that answer. And then Jesus said this. He says, and on this truth, this, this foundational truth that you have just uttered, I will build my church. And has he ever? <laughs> you know, Christianity, the world's largest religion today. And that doesn't mean that all of the, what calls itself Christianity is biblical Christianity. But nonetheless, there is no human explanation for how this small group of, of men, without any special credentials or training other than three years with Jesus, that what we experience today with the church could have happened. There's no way humanly possible. And so we see that they overcame, you know, the, the Roman persecution, uh, all sorts of persecution over the years, you know, uh, lack of resources, all these kinds of things. And yet the church has gone on. And, and really, there's only one explanation for this. And the Apostle Paul talks about this in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. There's only one explanation for this. And that's that Jesus really did rise from the dead. Because there's nothing else that can possibly explain this. And if you want to do some research on this, and, and by the way, I put some links in the notes uh, below the video here, you can uh, some really good resources for you. But when you get in there and search it out, you discover this, that the resurrection of Jesus Christ is the most well-attested event in all ancient history. We have amazing documentation for this. We have the testimony of eyewitnesses, and we have um, the, all sorts of historical tests we can run and conclude that we actually that this is actually their testimony. This is actually what they said, and they said what they experienced, talking about the resurrected Jesus. And, and these eyewitnesses held to this. You know, sometimes you know we think that well, somebody might say something or do something if it's going to make them rich. 
Well, none of these guys became rich. Uh, sometimes you might do it if it was going to give you more power. Well, they didn't have power. They had no power as far as the world was concerned. Uh, some people might do this because, you know, they are um, going to be able to be somebody important. To... The point is, these apostles didn't experience any of that. All they experienced was persecution, legal opposition, you know, even being put to death, all of these things. And what we see is throughout their entire lives, they never recanted of this. They faced torture and did not recant their statements that Jesus had risen from the dead. You know, they were put to death. They did not recant. I mean, these guys were absolutely convinced that they had seen Jesus alive from the dead. We have the documentation of that. Then it's not only in their writings that we have this documentation. Uh, the secular world, in, in their writings, they wrote here and there. There are places where they wrote about what was being uh, happening in the land of Israel, what people were believing, what they were saying. And so it's documented that this was what was believed at the time that Jesus really did rise from the dead, from these, these eyewitnesses. And, and then just, once again, uh, the survival of the church and all that's gone on. So the resurrection of Jesus Christ is the most well-attested event in all of human history. And that means if, if Jesus really did rise from the dead, that means that what we call biblical Christianity is true. Biblical Christianity is true. Now, I know that in our day and age, sometimes this idea of saying this is true, you know, when you say this is true, that means this isn't true, and that isn't true. And so sometimes there's this sense of, well, who are you to say, right? But let's just talk about this a minute. Biblical Christianity is true. The way Jesus presents Christianity, the way the Bible presents Christianity, it is true, all right? But that doesn't mean Christians are perfect. <laughs> Christians are not perfect. Um, and so when we want to say to you today that, that this is true, Jesus is really risen, and, and you know, then the rest of the Christianity is also true because of that, that doesn't mean we have it all together. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I got a small audience here today, so I can ask, do you guys have it all together? No, they're laughing at that thought. Now, I'm not going to ask them, do you think I have, well, do you think I have it all together? That's even, oh, no, yeah, it was too, you were way too quick to say no to that. <laughs> We aren't. Christians are not perfect. But that doesn't change the reality that there's something that we know and have experienced that is absolutely true. And it's changed life. See, Christians are human. Now, that seems like kind of a dust statement, but let me explain. So Jesus came into the world, and he lived this perfect life. You know, he loved like nobody else had ever loved. He lived the holy life like nobody else had ever lived. Uh, you know, he just got it right. He was perfect. But he was not just human. He was also God. He was God in human form. Okay? He was human. He understands what it's like to be human, but he was also God the Son of God in human form. And that's why he could solve our problem, which is why he ultimately came. Uh, because way back in the beginning, sin came into the world. And, and every one of us has sinned against a holy God. The Bible is very clear about that, and we know that. Every one of us have not done things we know we ought to do. Every one of us have done things, you know, have not done things that we knew we should do. Uh, we haven't always done things with the right motives. We know that we are a flawed people. 
And the Bible is clear that God is so holy that he has, he can't uh, allow sin to be okay. And so uh, if you and I die in our sinful condition, the Bible says that we will be separated from God forever in a place called hell. And so Jesus came to solve this problem. The Son of God, human form, lives a perfect and sinless life. And then when He goes to the cross, the Bible says that God the Father took all of the guilt and burden for my sins. And that's plenty. He took all of mine and He put it on Jesus as He died there. And, and all of your sins, all of your sins. Jesus died bearing the penalty for all of those Three days later, we're celebrating the day. He rose from the dead. He is alive. He overcame that. Showed that His payment for our sins was acceptable. It was perfect. It was complete. And He's alive. And now He can be our Savior. And He says to us that if we will acknowledge that we have sinned and that our sins have separated us from God, and if we will believe that Jesus is who the Bible says He is, and that He did die for our sins and rise again from the dead, that we can then make a conscious decision of our will in response to God's invitation to say, Oh God, I believe that for me. I accept Jesus as my Savior. I receive Him as my Savior and, and the forgiveness that He provides us. And, and when we do that, something happens, big happens. All of our sins are forgiven, which that's good news, isn't it? Uh, you know, all of our sins are forgiven. Uh, we receive eternal life, so when this life is over, we go to heaven to be with the Lord. And the biggest thing, which we don't think we really always appreciate the most, and that's that God himself then moves in. God somehow moves into the deepest part of us and begins stirring us up on the inside and, and working its way out into our lives. So Jesus came to solve our problem. And that is a solution that's available to you at any point. You can say, okay, God, I get that. I believe that that's for me. And put your faith and trust in him as Savior. So biblical Christianity is true. Doesn't mean Christians are perfect. In fact, they aren't because Christians are human. Now, what I want to do today is look at part of the resurrection story that demonstrates our humanity. And that also helps us to see that that question that Jesus asked in the very beginning, who, who do you say that I am? What do you believe about me affects everything else in our lives? So let's turn to Luke chapter 24, the Gospel of Luke. Luke chapter 24, and I hope you can turn to that. If you have a Bible nearby, or if you have your phone with a Bible in it, I'd really encourage you to turn it. If you don't have that, that's fine. Just, just listen in. Luke 24. Now, the beginning of this chapter tells us the traditional story of the resurrection and how Jesus had been put to death. Uh, on a Friday, and then, you know, in the grave, and then on the third day, he rises from the dead. Uh, but what happens is they don't know that yet. And some of the women who had been followers of Jesus went to the tomb because they felt he hadn't probably got a proper burial. And they went there, and they didn't know how they were going to get the, the stone rolled away. And they got there, and the stone was already rolled away. And, and then they went in and to see it, and the tomb is empty. And then the angels say to them, I just think it's such a cool thing, they ask him, why are you looking for a living person where dead people are? Okay? Because Jesus has risen. And so the women came back to the apostles and the other disciples and told them this, what they'd experienced, and they didn't believe them. You know, well, that, is, that sounds crazy. Uh, but Peter decided to go look for himself, and when he got there, he also found 
the tomb empty. And they're wondering, what does this mean? They still don't understand that Jesus was going to rise. Uh, and they're trying to figure out what in the world is going on. And so we're going to pick up in verse 13, after that part of the resurrection story that I just talked about. Let's begin reading in verse 13. It says, Now behold, two of them, two of the disciples, two of his followers, probably not the apostles, but others who were following him. Behold, two of them were traveling that same day to a village called Emmaus which was seven miles from Jerusalem. And the way that's written in the original language, that could mean seven miles one way, or it could mean that the town was a seven-mile round trip from Jerusalem. We don't know for sure which it is. Verse 14, And they talked together of all those things which had happened. And, you know, they had seen Jesus, they had heard him teach, they had seen him interact with the, the needy people, they had seen him interact with the religious leaders, they had heard the things that he said, they hadn't understood everything he said, but they were convinced that he was someone special, as we will see in a minute. And then he had been, he had been killed, and they just couldn't wrap their heads around that. And, and now they're saying that his body's not in the tomb, What's up with that? Has somebody stolen the body? What's going on here? They talked together of all these things which had happened. So it was while they conversed and reasoned that Jesus himself drew near and went with them. I always wondered, I don't know where he showed up, but he caught up with them, right? He caught up with them and uh, began to walk with them. Verse 16, it says, but their eyes were restrained so that they did not know him. What's up with that? You know, did Jesus, after he was resurrected, look so different that they couldn't tell? I don't think so. In one sense, you might think, well, okay, God kept them from seeing yet. We're going to see later on they do see who he is. That God did that, and God may have done that. But what I'm saying is from the text, I don't see that that's required. By the way, I have, I have a fun theory. The fun theory is the reason they didn't recognize him is because they were men. Okay, Dave, can you come up here a minute? Uh, and um, I, I, I didn't prepare you for this. But what I want you to do is let's, let's pretend like we're having a conversation like ladies have a conversation. Oh, I don't know if I could do that. <laughs> yes, you can do that. So here it is. When, when they talk to each other, they talk like this, right? Okay. Oh, yeah, can you do that? Oh, really? But they're looking. They're, they're leaning in. They're seeing, right? Oh, yes. And how do men have conversations? <laughs> they talk like this, right? Talk to each other. Like this. Thank you, Dave. So now I'm, I'm being silly, but there's a lot of truth in that, isn't there? Okay. Uh, that's probably not the case, but they weren't probably really trying to look closely at him. Maybe he had a hood up. Um, but I think there's something even more than that going on. In the, the Greek language, which the New Testament was originally written in, the verb here that says their, their eyes were restrained is in the middle voice. Now, that doesn't make a lot of sense to us as English speakers, because in English speakers, we have an active voice, which means the person is doing the action, or we have a passive voice where the action is happening to them. Okay, But in the Greek language, they have a middle voice, and that's where the action is. They are doing the action, but they are also the recipients of the action. So the idea is, if we use the word kicked, okay, in, in uh, the active verb was if a person kicks somebody. All right, passive verb is when you get kicked, and the middle voice would be like you kicked yourself, <laughs> or you yourself were, doing, were kicking. 
And so when it says their eyes are restrained, it's almost like in and of themselves, something in them prevented them from seeing. And what I think that was is that um, it's what they were believing. And God, like I said, God may have done something there too, but it's what they were believing. Think about this. Uh, they had seen Jesus put to death. And, and the, the end of everything that they had been building their lives toward, right? Gone. Done. I mean, how many of you have ever known someone who died? You've known someone who died, and, you know, you saw them in the casket. You went to the gravesite, and they were buried. How many of you expected to see them a couple days later? You didn't, did you, right? Because that isn't what happens. And so they have this belief about Jesus that he has died. Not only has he died, he is in, um, he's been dead for three days. There's no coming back from that, okay? And so let's, let's look here. And I think we can see how their beliefs have shaped what they're thinking about, or what their beliefs about him have shaped their perception. So verse 16, but their eyes were restrained so that they did not know him. And he said to them, what? so Jesus talks to them. What kind of conversation is this that you have with one another as you walk and are sad? So obviously this, this wasn't, you know, a spirited debate kind of conversation. This is a, I don't get it. I don't understand. Don't you remember this? And why, how could, you know, they're trying to figure it out. So then the one whose name was Cleopas answered and said to him, are you the only stranger in Jerusalem? And have you not known the things which happened there in these days? I wonder if he ever thought about that question later when he found out that, you know, who he was actually talking to. It's like, how can you ask? Don't you know? Everybody knows this. Verse 19, and he said to them, what things? So they said to him, the things concerning Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all the people. So how are they seeing Jesus here? The Son of God? God in the flesh? No, as what? A prophet. And so their belief in him as a prophet did not lead them to expect the resurrection. It affected how they looked at things and what they were experiencing. And then he's continued, verse 20, and how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and crucified him. But here, we were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. Now, what they meant by redeem Israel was not what we talk about today. Not when I talked about the gospel solution to our sins. This was about um, him somehow or rather throwing off Roman rule, getting these Romans out of the land so Israel could once again be its own country. That's what their expectation was. That's what they believed about Jesus. And so who put him to death? The Romans. So this isn't adding up for them. We were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. Indeed, besides all this, today is the third day since these things happened. He has been in the grave for three days. And so you can see, I think, that these beliefs that they had were part, at least part of what restrained their eyes from being able to see that this was Jesus. And so here's, here's the truth I want you to see, uh, that what we believe about the Lord affects how we see everything else in life. What we believe about him affects how we see everything else in life. What they believed about him affected what they were seeing. The Lord was actually there, and they didn't see it because of what they were believing. Think about this for us. 
You know, if first of all, if you don't believe that Jesus is risen, and you don't believe that Jesus is risen, then all the rest of this is meaningless. Okay? And so that affects you and how you look at all of life. What you believe about his holiness and his justice affects, because if you don't understand that God is a holy God and that he will judge sin, then you can do whatever you want, right? And you're going to live however you want, and you're going to experience the consequences of that in your life as well as in the afterlife. Or it may be the other extreme, that, that you view His holiness and justice as though He's a harsh God. He's an angry God. Now, you may have grown up in a home where there's a lot of anger. And so when you think about God, you think of Him as this angry God who's just up there looking, looking for what you're doing wrong. See, so what we believe about Him affects how we look at our lives. Uh, how about His grace and His mercy? You know, you may have live a life where you feel like you have to earn everything that you have. And boy, we ought to work hard, right? And be faithful and diligent and do that. But God says to us that you cannot earn your salvation. You cannot earn forgiveness. You cannot earn a relationship with Him. He wants to give it to you. And, and so He does that and shows us mercy. So, But if we don't understand that, we will always be trying to measure up trying to measure up for God and then ultimately measure up for other people. Let me tell you, the day that I finally, and I had known, had a relationship with God for a number of years and received Christ as Savior, but the day when it finally became clear to me is that I did not have to try to measure up for God was huge. That He just accepted me. Did He want me to do well? Yeah, yeah, He wanted me to grow. He wanted me to grow to be like the Lord. But I didn't have to earn it. That he just accepted me. Do you know what that did? Not only did that change my relationship with God, it changed my relationship with other people. Because now I didn't feel like I had to try to measure up for everybody else either. Very freeing. So, what, so again, you see, what you believe about the Lord affects how you look at everything else in your life. What do you believe about his love? Is he a good God? All these kinds of things affect how you interpret what's going on. And so it is crucial that we come to believe the right things about the Lord because it affects everything else in our lives. Whether we don't know the Lord as Savior yet, we got to get that right. If we already know the Lord as Savior, we need to keep growing in our understanding of who Jesus is. And that brings us to the second point here. And that's that the Lord works in our lives to challenge our wrong or insufficient beliefs about Him. And by that word challenge, I don't mean that as a negative thing. I mean as a positive thing, right? Come on, let me help you that He works in our lives to do this. He doesn't leave us out there on our own to do this. So let's go back to our passage and see. I mean, it, like the story seems kind of funny, right? That they're, they're, you know, Jesus is asking, what? What are you talking about, you know? But what a precious thing I think that is. What is Jesus doing for these guys? They're having a hard time. They're struggling. What's Jesus say? Tell me about it. Tell me about it. And so the Lord draws us to him and, and tells, asks us to tell him about it. So let's continue reading. Uh, verse 22. Yes, and certain women of our company who arrived at the tomb early astonished us when they did not find his body. They came saying that they had also seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. And certain of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but him they did not see. Then he said to them, Oh, foolish ones. And, and by the way, I don't think that was a, you fools. No, I think this was very much, oh, you foolish ones, you know, because you aren't seeing the truth here. 
Oh, foolish ones and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not the Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded them in all the scriptures, the things concerning himself. Then they drew near to the village where they were going, and he indicated that he would have gone farther, but they constrained him, saying, Abide with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is far spent. And he went in to stay with them. Now it came to pass, as he sat at the table with them, that he took bread, blessed and broken, and gave it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they knew him, and he vanished from their sight. That's an interesting story, isn't it? But I want you to see this, that the Lord is working in their lives to challenge their wrong and insufficient beliefs about him. He says, tell me, talk to me about these things, what you're seeing, what you're thinking. He says that he expounded them in all the scriptures, right? He said he went through and explained to them what they needed to understand. And then when he broke the bread and gave thanks at that point, he enabled them to see somehow the truth about him. And so the Lord works in our lives to challenge our beliefs. He uses our circumstances just like he used theirs. You know, when your circumstances don't add up and you can't make sense of it all, it's a good idea to say, am I believing the right things here? Maybe I'm not looking at this right. Lord, what do I need to understand here? What do I need to understand about you? So he'll use our circumstances. Certainly he will use his word. You know, I have known the Lord. I mean, I received Christ as Savior, as I talked about earlier, 45 years ago. And I've studied the Bible, read most of it many, I mean, yeah, many times. Um, and every now and then I'm still, I'll be reading the Bible, sitting there with God, talking, reading. I'll go, huh. That's kind of a new insight, you know, I guess. And you begin to adjust how you see and you get to know the Lord better and better and better. I mean, we do that in marriage, right? Hopefully, you know, we aren't always thrilled with what we find, but we get to know each other better and better and better. We ought not be surprised that God would do the same thing. And so from his word, he will use. And then I want to say this, he, he does it by connecting the dots for us. This is just his grace and mercy. Jesus decides to do something that he knows they will recognize as him. Because apparently many times when it came time to eat, what did he do? He probably broke the bread and blessed, gave thanks for it. And he knows if I do this, they will know this is me. Man, I tell you, there's just there's a few things here in my there in my life when I'm going along where all of a sudden. I'm convinced that God has brought either brought things together in a certain way or he's done something. All of a sudden I go, that's him. That's God. So he's so gracious to us. See, he helps us. We need to believe the right things about him so we can see everything clearly. And he helps us to do this. We're not left on our own. He keeps working in our lives that, that we would grow to be more like him. And that brings us to the third thing, the third truth here. When we let the Lord change our beliefs about him, he enables us to see him and everything else more clearly. The more clearly you see the Lord, the more accurate your beliefs about him are, the more clearly you will see and understand everything else. Because all of a sudden, when this all comes together, well, let's read, let's read what they said. Verse 31 again, Then their eyes were opened and they knew him and he vanished from their sight. 
And they said to one another, Did not our heart burn within us while we talked, while he talked with us on the road and while he opened the scriptures to us? So wow, we experienced that we, we were starting to see. So they rose up that very hour and returned to Jerusalem and found the eleven and those who were with them gathered together saying, and this is the 11 saying this, the Lord has risen indeed and has appeared to Simon. So by this time, the Lord has appeared to Simon Peter, and they told about the things that had happened on the road and how he was known to them in the breaking of bread. So all of a sudden, once God brings in this place where they have a different understanding of who Jesus is, they believe something different about him, all of a sudden they understood clearly that Jesus really was risen from the dead. And this changed their perspective on what the women had said to them. Okay, it may have changed their perspective even on these women. Because remember, they, they didn't believe the women to begin with. Now you guys are, this is idle talk, this is foolish talk. Now, they were right. Okay, it changed how they saw those things. They understood, all of a sudden they understood who, who they had been walking with and talking with. You know, this last week, as I, I was telling my story on our daily uh, time of word and prayer, and I was talking about it, and I, I get thinking about things. I could see how in my life, things that I hadn't realized that when I look back, I'd say, wow, God was there. God was at work. God was preparing me. God was doing something. All of a sudden, you know, because I can see more clearly. Well, that's what the Lord enabled them to do. When they actually started to see the Lord more clearly, all of a sudden they realized they were able to see what had happened differently. By the way, in your life, there's been things that happened. I can guarantee you, you probably need to see differently. And the only way you're going to see those differently is, is you begin to see the Lord more clearly and believe the right things about Him. That'll affect everything else. And then they had immediate clarity about what they needed to do. Boy, we're not staying here tonight. We're going back to Jerusalem to tell the others. They had immediate clarity about what they need to do. Um, you know, as the Lord makes more sense to you and you respond to more accurate beliefs about him, it's going to change how you look at everything else in your life. It will. The better you get to know the Lord, the more you can grow to be like him, the more your thinking will change, the more your heart will change. And so it is crucial what we believe about him. So what do we need to do? What do we need to do? Well, the very first thing you got to settle is you got to receive Jesus as Lord and Savior. You know, that's, you got to believe that. You got to believe that you need a Savior. You got to believe that Jesus is the Son of God who came and lived a perfect, sinless life, died for you, paying that penalty, rising from the dead. You got to come to grips with that and receive Jesus as Savior. And that's just a matter of you saying, okay, God, I see it and I choose to believe it and I receive it for me. That's what you got to do. Starts there. But you know, it doesn't stop there. That's just the beginning point. And so once you've received Jesus as Savior, then you need to let Jesus teach you more and more about him. Now, how are you going to do that? Well, you hear me say it all the time. I'll say it again. You've got to get into the Bible. You've got to get into the Word and read it. And guess what? There's going to be things you don't understand. I wouldn't worry about it. You just keep reading, you'll understand something, and you'll understand more. And one day you'll realize, wow, I know the Lord better than I used to. And you realize your life is different because it has changed how you approach your whole life. you got to get to do it. So it's being in the Word. It's also being with His people. You know, and that's a challenge right now for us, that, that we don't get together and be with His people. But the reality is, is that God lives in His people. And so when we get together, we experience the Lord in each other's lives. 
And that's part of how he teaches us more and more about him. So we, we gotta be in the word. We gotta get together with people. Uh, and then I think we serve him, right? We, we step out in faith and, and try to live it out. And that brings us to the third thing that you really, really want to do. And that's to live in every day in a way that helps others know him better. Christians, non-Christians. Live in a way that helps other people know him better. As you know him better and you let it change your life, then be open about that. Talk about what you're thinking, what you're learning, what you're experiencing. Be open and inviting, inviting others. And as, you know, it's not silly, but sort of, it sounds kind of silly, but I'm, I'm saying that is if you choose to share a video, right? That's, that's from your church and the people in your church. You choose to share that. You're inviting people into what you have and what you experience. It's just a, a little thing that you can do. And then certainly as you have opportunity to talk, like obviously Dave shared with us earlier about someone he talked with. Well, he had to have the conversation. He had to be open to that for that conversation to occur. And so what I want you to do is let's make sure as Christians, I mean, we live in a world that is very contrary to what Christianity is about. We believe. And our tendency is to do what? Hunker down, right? And try to build up walls, protect us. But I'm telling you, let's don't do that. Let's be Christians who go out there in the world open. Open with our lives. Open with our hearts. Open with whatever God has entrusted us to serve Him with. So what do you believe about Him today? It's crucial. Let's go over in prayer. And as I pray, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray first to give you an opportunity to receive Jesus if you never have. And then I'll pray for um, the rest of these things we've talked about. And then our band is going to come back and lead us in one more song. Father, I come to you right now and I pray, Lord, for those who have not yet received your son as Savior. They haven't made that once in a lifetime decision to receive him, to believe in and receive. And I pray, Lord, right now that they would just open their hearts to you. And that they would pray along with me. And if, you, if you're listening or watching today and you want to receive Jesus right now, just pray something like this to the Lord. Right where you are, just say this to God. Say, God, I know that I am a sinner. I know that my sins have separated me from you. I believe that Jesus is who the Bible says he is. I believe that he died for my sins and rose again. And right now, the best I know how, I put my faith in Jesus to be my Savior. I received Jesus as my Savior and His payment for my sins. Amen. And Father, for all of us who, are, who know You, I pray Your continued work in our lives. Lord, we need to know You better. Help us day in and day out to know You better. Help us to be like Paul when he says that the most important thing is that I would come to know You. And, and when uh, Jesus, your son, said to us, you know, when we feel burdened that we should come to him, he'll give us rest. But what we do is we come and learn about him. I pray, Father, that we would devote ourselves to that. Thank you that we can worship this way together. I pray you encourage everyone who's watching, Lord. And I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. As our band comes back up, let me say to you, uh, if you have questions about this, I would be glad to talk with you. If you prayed to receive Jesus as Savior today, the Bible says that every sin is now forgiven. You will go to heaven when this life comes to an end, and God himself has moved in 
and he's going to begin working on you from the inside out to help you change. Uh, let me encourage you, if you prayed that today, we'd love to see a comment below that I prayed to receive Jesus. That would be awesome. But either way, would you reach out? You can send me a message. I'd love to connect with you about the decision that you've made. All right, so let's end our worship today. Very appropriate, singing about the greatness of the Lord and how that ought to shape our beliefs as well.